Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. What's up? I'm Jess. Hi, guys. We're so excited to have you here. Um, so we have a fresh new interview. Oh, fresh is a good word because it's a fragrance person. Mm. Um, we have Tanya Sanchez. Before Jess tells you about her amazing career and who she is, you might remember her name because we did talk. Uh, we actually shared some quotes from her a couple months ago. I'll link to that episode on the blog. We were talking about fragrance moving forward and changing some of the nomenclature around the different fragrance families, especially the word oriental. So Tanya was kind enough to weigh in on that. And then we were like, wait a second. Tanya, we need to have you on the show. And there's good reason for that, right, Jess? Yeah, so Tanya is one of the most amazing fragrance writers I have ever come across. She really changed the game with her husband, the co-author of Perfumes, The A to Z Guide. That is a book from 2008. It reviews over 1,800 perfumes. By the way, it was reissued as Perfumes, the A to Z Guide in 2018. And there's a big focus on niche perfumery there with another 1,200 all new reviews. So um, the book was responsible for, for bringing perfume culture to a wider audience. If you don't have it, please go put it in your cart right now. It was called, quote unquote, ravishingly entertaining in the New Yorker and dubbed a work of art itself on BBC Radio 4. So 
another really fun fact, David Byrne apparently keeps it on his nightstand. What a claim to fame, all right? That it truly is. As do Jess and I. How many times have we talked about this book? Oh my on our God. Show? Yeah. Like if, if you just just to at least know what we're talking about or just shut us up, just tell us that you got it and what you thought <laughs> and what your favorite review was. Okay. Or like take us a picture, uh, take a picture of your favorite review and send it to us. Maybe we'll read them because they're just so entertaining. Um, and most recently, Sanchez translated Turin's first guide for she didn't tell us about this first guide from the 1990s from French to English. Um, you can find out all more about her amazing career at perfumestheguide.com. Let's get to the interview. Okay, so Tanya, I'm so excited. Jen and I are so excited to be sitting here with you today. <laughs> when I first got your book, Perfumes, the A to Z Guide, it was 2008. It had just come out. I remember getting it. It was my parents' house. And I took the book into the bedroom that I stay in. And I was like, oh, like, I'll be right out, whatever. And I just read the whole thing front to back. I, I'm not saying I know all the fragrances that are in there, but you don't need to. Your writing is so compelling. It is so clever. Sometimes it's cutting, but it, it's it really, I think, has changed the way people write about fragrance because it just, there's something about it. I, I'm just going to read one of the entries. Indulge us. Yeah, indulge okay. us. And some of them are really, I'm not going to read the really long ones because we want to get right to the conversation with you. But just to give you like a sense of like your sense of humor. Jean-Paul Gaudier classique, Eau de uh, Ete. Do we want, is that how am I saying it right? Ete? I'm, it's I'm not, Eau de uh, Yes, fine. Eau de Ete, okay. It's a light citrus. Nearly, nearly imperceptible citrus floral when sprayed on paper, smells like Elmer's glue on the skin. Then it vanishes, practically on contact. You can, y- you get it right away. I've never read a fragrance like It's not Lamel from JPG, <laughs> that's for sure, which stays around forever and ever. No, that oh, one is violent, God. very violent. Violent, <laughs> <Yes>. violent. <laughs> it's, you just like get right to the heart of the matter. Um, and you, you know, you're not, your language isn't flowery. It's just kind of like you talk, I I would never say you talk like how friends talk about fragrance because it's much more elevated, but you don't stick in the same sort of word bank of beauty journalists that have been- Slash press releases. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That have been playing in like since the dawn of time. And it's funny. And, And honestly- it really opened up my eyes to a different world of fragrance writing and it's, it entertains and it's, you know, it's clever and it's just, you know, I really do think that you sort of opened up an, a, a new style of writing. I'm, I'm curious, what inspired you and Luca to write this book? So let me back up to what possessed us to write this insane book that nobody was really asking for. He is... <laughs> I mean, Luca is, of course, my husband as well as my co-author. And I mean, we met through Perfume. We met via his blog. I was at that point already deeply obsessed with Perfume. I was working as a financial writer. I was writing about, you know, mortgages. And it was not very exciting for me. I could not really express myself when talking about, you know, collateral. So what I did was I spent my lunch break in Midtown always going to 
the department stores in Midtown Manhattan and just smelling things. And I was having such a good time. And Sephora had recently come to New York and I would just spend all my time spraying things there mm -hmm. as well as at Macy's and anything, anything really. And um, Luca had a blog. So he turns out to be this what genius. What was the name of his blog? His blog, I mean, it's no longer up. I think it was called Perfume Notes, which is uh, the kind of mild pun that nobody talking about perfume can avoid. So he would write about um, perfume for the Swiss magazine in German. And it turns out that he's this, you know, this polymath, genius biophysicist who writes like a poet while also, I mean, he, he does this wonderful thing of being able to talk about very, very high culture and completely weird sort of science, bodily stuff, you know, jokes about comic books. He has a vast, vast culture and, and range and vocabulary from being multilingual and everything. So, I mean, I read about this guy and I thought, oh, there's the sort of person I'll never meet in my life. I guess that was wrong. And we met via his blog and he proposed to me that we write this book together, which really shocked me. Oh, I thought me. we were about to get the marriage story. Oh, okay. I got very well, excited. It's, it's, <laughs> it practically is the same story. Um, yeah. I mean, he actually asked me to, to edit the text for his book, The Secret of Scent, because his editor in the UK was the sort of book editor that is quite breezy and says, it's fine, it doesn't need any changes. And he was terrified because he knew that it needed changes. So he sent it to me because he knew I was an editor and I, I ended up telling him it was awful. And he called me to thank me. I wrote red ink all over it. It's, anyway, this is like not terrifically an exciting story. It's an incredibly nerdy story. We started talking on the phone all the time about perfume as well as everything else. And I had conversations with him such as I had never been able to have with anybody. So when he said, do you want to write this book with me? I, I remember reading in an interview when somebody was asked to dance on stage with Fred Astaire or something like that. And the person who knew how to dance said, I'm not a dancer if you're asking me to dance with Fred Astaire. You know, I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt. I'm, I'm not a writer on perfume if you're asking me to write with Luca Turin. But he, mm -hmm. he, he believed that my writing on perfume was worth it. He said, I've always looked for somebody to do this with. Because he had written a book in French years ago which had been passed around as a sort of cult object. People had done unofficial translations for years because the thing was genius. So I said, you know, why the hell not? So I got divorced and I went to London. Oh. <laughs> wow. And he got divorced. I want a separate podcast for the romance yeah, wait of a Luca yeah, and that Tanya. Yeah this, is, yeah, this is more like complicated. Than I, I this is a very, this, it's really hard to tell this story without getting personal, but... I ended up in London writing this book with him and I spent months just sitting across a kitchen table with him while boxes of perfumes turned up writing this thing. And what you get in the book is, is, is essentially the conversation between Luca and me because we would open up these marvelous boxes. I can't even tell you what it feels like to get a cardboard box full of all of the perfumes of Guerlain straight from oh, the factory. Wow. I mean, I don't think anybody smelled them like that. They were so fresh. You would, you would open them and there's nothing like that on the department store counter. I mean, they were, they were unbelievable. There are things in there that you just, they, they go away after a while. And these things were so beautiful and vivid. And we would spray them and just talk about them. And at the end of our conversation, we would decide who would write the review. So a, a lot of people have said that, that the voice is quite unified in the book. And mm -hmm. I think part of that is because it came from this conversation. So that's what it is. I mean, we're both 
you know, wacky people. And we brought this out in each other. Were you like falling in love over the kitchen table as you smelled these scents? I mean, I, 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 don't, know who, I don't know who wouldn't fall in love with Luca sitting at the kitchen table talking about uh, these scents. No, because it's giving a new light to the book now yeah, as I'm completely. picturing it as like a conversation between two people falling in love who are also working, you know, on a project. But it's kind of romantic. I know, I know. It's pretty horribly. I try not to talk about that because I'm a very dry person. But yes, I'm afraid I, I have this very romantic story. Yeah, well, I'm You're sorry. Afraid. I'm okay. sorry for all of us to have to hear it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not a very, I'm not a very starry-eyed Disney princess kind of person. No, I, I get and it. And then this crazy thing happened to me. So that is what well, you're. That is very you sweet. are actually reading that in the book. There is a love story hidden in there. That's really I love cool. that. Um, before you, you know, started sniffing perfumes and working with Luke, or even reading his blog, what was like your early experience with fragrance? Were you always into scent? Did you always love smelling things? How did that come Oh, about? I think, well, I've always been obsessed with beauty. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was always in my mom's stuff, making her crazy, spraying all her perfumes at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I have always been interested in perfume, but I think it really kicked off really in my head when I got to college and I had this fabulous roommate, freshman year, glorious dancer, still one of my best friends ever, um, extremely extroverted. And she wore samsara, which is this massive Guerlain perfume. I mean, you cannot have someone in the room with you wearing that and not stare at them either in fascination or in anger because the stuff takes over your brain. And <laughs> it, was such, it was such a perfect match for her, this perfume, that I asked her what the brand was and she told me. And I went to Saks and I ended up walking away, not with that or with Champs-Élysées, which they were pushing, but um, two very old fragrances, Chalimar and Le Bleu. And I fell in love with them. And I started just shopping for perfume endlessly because both of those perfumes were very different from the sort of 80s perfumes that I'd grown up with. Obviously, the sort of Giorgio's, the, the poison, the opium, all those things. Red Door, I remember. Oh, God. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. They were, I mean... They're all brilliant perfumes, but they're a bit in your face. Whereas that stuff was very belle époque. It was, it had a sort of romantic kind of stained glass feeling, which mm -hmm. I had never encountered. I didn't know you could do that with perfume. And that's, that's when I went kind of crazy. I mean, Guerlain is a gateway drug for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I think I spent all my school book money on it, actually. <laughs> So, you know, when I, I just want to get back to the book because I'm like, basically like, it's, I'm trying to, I'm paying attention to the interview, but I'm like still like kind of like, I want to thumb through it and look for more entries <laughs> because <laughs> there's just so, there's so many good ones. And I really like, it's taking all of my power not to share more with, you know, our audience, because if they haven't read it, I just know that they are going to fall in love with it the same way I did when I read it. But I, I really do think, um, that you and you know you and Luca have did change the way people write about fragrance and um you know it uh, did you feel like when you were doing this you're like this book needs to exist because and I understand that it came out about more organically it wasn't like a strategic like marketing kind of move it was really a labor of love but did you notice hey nobody writes about fragrance the way you know we're doing this or like, I hate beauty journalism. Like, <laughs> what Did you realize what you were doing? 
I realized what Luca was doing, and I very much wanted to bring that to an English-speaking audience. His, his French stuff was absolutely some of the most beautiful writing I have ever written. And not, not in this sort of very ripe purple way. I mean, a, a lot of writing about perfume tries, I mean, they, they mimic this sort of um, the highly caffeinated press release where they're sort of gushing <laughs> about shimmering things and her sensuality and all, you know, the, like you say, the standard word bank of perfumery. Whereas what Luca did was he... He replicated my feeling that perfume is is a part of culture that we haven't really acknowledged as part of culture. And I think the perfume companies have a hand in this because they they sort of pretend, one, that the perfume is an emanation of you somehow, your mysterious chemistry. It, it smells beautiful on you. You somehow make the perfume. It's you. Whereas actually it's, it's a perfumer working hard sometimes in the old days, years on a single perfume to try to get the exact blend of natural materials, aroma chemicals, it, it just, and exactly which, which source you get. All the, I mean, it's clearly an art, right? Why but, do they hide the perfumer, you think? Oh, wow. I, it's funny you mentioned the you, it's funny you mentioned the you thing because Jen and I talked about this a year and a half, two years ago, when the fragrances were all like skin fragrances. It's about you shining through. Like, don't worry about those stuffy, you know, perfumes. It, you're just going to smell like you. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it, like it's like they almost want to um, perfume us like a dirty word for a year or two. That that definitely happened. Uh, but that was a fad because at the same time you were supposed to look again like we were we were talking about before we started recording that, that you were supposed to spend two hours putting on makeup so you'd look like yeah. you didn't have any makeup on. Yeah, I think there was there was this, there's a fake natural thing that comes in every once in a while. It's yeah, I mean it's the old hippie thing. I think they did it in the 19th century as well. I mean it comes in and out. But uh -huh. perfume is a, it's it's subject to fads, like all culture is. I think the one thing is that people are unaware that it's culture. And Luca very much made it clear that perfume was connected to a time. It was connected to ideas we have about who we are. It, it could have a sense of humor. I mean, some of the perfumes actually made me laugh. I remember the first time I smelled Angel, I actually laughed <laughs> out loud in the department store. I just couldn't believe that one. It was so audacious. I mean, the thing is, it was always sold to us as if it were about being sexy. And it's not always about being sexy. The, those, those smells are works of art that mean something. It's closer to a sort of hybrid of fashion and music and almost sort of like cookery. Mm, I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be about like... <laughs> Somebody said to me once, like, you know, perfume is about one thing. It's about getting the guy. It's about getting laid. And I was like, what are you talking about? I know who said that to you, and it was a man, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, I, I thought it was one of our former guests. Sorry. No, no, no. It was it was an editor who I worked with. And I was and I, I was frankly surprised. Um, and I I didn't say anything, but I was just like, wow, I can't believe that we're still thinking that way because we don't look at fashion that way anymore. You know, I, I, I don't know if I ever did. Like in my lifetime, it was very much like you dress for different occasions to feel good about yourself. Some days it's like a suit, like, a, you know, some days it's a dress, whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever the vacation it calls for, it's like you want to feel good. And I don't know why we don't look at fragrance the same way. Yeah. You, and you wrote that book, that first version of the book in 2008, but then the, the other version didn't come out till 10 years later. And if it's about culture, culture moves fast these days. So 10 years is a really 
in, in a weird way, a long time. Why wait that amount of time before, you know, updating? I think we were so burned out after writing the first one. There, frankly, we we weren't sure if we could ever do any such thing again. I mean, we had talked about maybe we we actually had tried briefly a sort of newsletter because we thought, you know, they're coming out so fast yeah. that we've got to we've got to make this a periodical. We've got to make a perfume magazine. We were playing with this idea, but I think you can see that the way we write about it is quite intense. Um, and the effort, I, for, on my part, I was just completely burned out on perfume. Uh, so I, I pulled back for a while and then you know, I had a baby. Uh, she's now eight, but it, it took up quite a lot of my time and I, I was ready to leave it behind. He was still writing about perfume. I did occasional articles for magazines, but I wasn't quite sure that I ever wanted to write it again. He he was more keen and I was tired. So when we actually <laughs> did come out with the next one, um, it, it actually came out of him realizing that perfume had moved on so much. And not only had it moved on a lot, but many of the people he was meeting in the perfume world told him that, that our book was the reason that they'd gotten to perfume. So... It really did feel like we owed these people to smell what they were doing. And the whole niche perfumery thing had taken off in such a way that I had never expected. And when you say niche, just for our listeners, like what brands are you talking about? I'm talking about, we're talking very small producers. We're talking about like, I mean, Zoologist, for example, was one brilliant um, niche uh, perfumer. Um, uh, Lubin is pretty tiny. Um, Patricia de Nicolai, of course, is an old one. But I mean, the original niche would be like, L'artisan parfumeur, and then the sort of new ones are these smaller producers like Dusita, who's a Thai perfumer, Satori, a Japanese perfumer I know who studied in Paris. She's wonderful. I mean, little, little companies that are making really beautiful, very idiosyncratic perfumes that are not about marketing. They are not about, you know, getting laid. They're about... Just the, just the pleasure you feel when you spray this thing and you think, oh, that smells beautiful. So, so that's what we're talking about. Very small producers. Um, often, of course, they come with incredibly high price tags and they're hard to find. And they're not all wonderful. We found out that there's a lot of niche which is not worth the price tag. But there are a lot of things that are just wonderful and deserve to be better known. So when you and Luca write, you do write in kind of like a unified voice. You do have, at least in the uh, first edition that I'm looking at, you have little tiny initials that are next to the entries. But um, you must have the discussions at the kitchen table or wherever that you don't have the same opinion on every scent, or you must have some really interesting debates. How does that work? Or like even something like, I don't want this in the book. There's only a certain amount of space you have in this book. And you have millions of or hundreds of submissions that come in. Like, how do you handle those disagreements? I mean, we we do what any couple does. We fight. Uh, I guess yes, we do. We do discuss these things. Often, we have quite sharp disagreements. And like, what? I Tell mean, us the I, perfume that you like are so uh, polarized on. Okay, so the the niche group uh, Etat Libre d'Orange has mm-hmm. a perfume called Secrétion Magnifique. Uh-huh, I know Magnificent it. Secretions, right? Oh, I mean, oh. Those, those guys are the, are the are real sort of cheeky schoolboy types with that sense of humor. And, okay, whatever. I mean, there's the, the, the bottle has a picture of, a, of, a, of an ejaculating dick on it. So what do you want, right? So, <laughs> right. and it turns out this thing is, is, is like a sort of um, j'adore with spooge. And... <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, that's not a bad description. I've smelled it. (laughs) (laughs) And Luca just thought, uh, he's, okay, he's definitely on the spectrum, okay? So, uh, and we all know that. So he smells this thing and he focuses on this spooge note and he says, oh, I know what that is. And he describes this, this aroma chemical that he encountered in his former life as a sort of fragrance chemist. And how he always thought it smelled so amazing and he's so happy someone has found a way to get into perfume. In the meantime, I'm saying, no one can wear this thing. Yeah. And here's yeah. here's where a lot of our disagreements come from because he's his appreciation of perfumery is very perfumer-centered. He's, he's passionate about the hidden perfumer who's often not given credit, who lives a rather a difficult life, often told to make the formula cheaper, um, you know, dragged around by clients and everything. He's very, he's very much in favor of supporting that artistry. But he forgets often that someone is being asked to put this on and walk around. And I will often be standing there screaming to him, nobody's supposed, I don't want to be in an elevator with somebody wearing this. You know, if I wear this, <laughs> you know what, I can't, I can't look people in the eye. <laughs> You know, I should. I actually should have written a, a second review for that. I meant to, and I think I think I might have in in the little book of perfumes, which was a sort of mini book of the five stars that we did afterwards. So often, so sometimes I'll write a second review if I have a very different opinion, and sometimes we just say, okay, you know what? Whoever feels most strongly about it is going to write the review, and we sure. leave it at that. The, Jess, it makes me feel like wait, the, of the fashion that's come out lately. Sometimes Jess and I are like the fashion writers are obsessed with this trend, may, may, like the orthopedic sneakers. Yeah, and then Jess and yeah. I were just like, but who wants to wear it? It's that cultural, like, <laughs> disagreement yeah. that makes it fun to talk about. Those shoes are amazing. <laughs> was the, that fragrance, like, was that really, like, something that, was it more of, like, an art statement, like, for the press? Or was that, like, no, like, we expect, like, we're, our projections, you know, put this at, like, we're moving this many units of, you know, secret I don't know what that was about. I mean, like, I don't know those guys. Uh, we, we actually really go out of our way to not know any of these people so, so far as we can. Really? Because it's, it's, you know, once you meet somebody and you either you like them and you feel like, you know, when you don't like their perfume, you feel so sort of like maybe I should go well, easy or you yeah. kind of dislike them. And the fact that they make a great perfume annoys you. So it's. We, we mostly try to stay out of it. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Highest Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp. 
something we learned about on a recent episode, and all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on alomoves.com and reset. Aloe Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Aloe Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on alamoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Aloe Moves. Join the community on alamoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's alomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20.
so that that brings me to my next question is that like you and Luca really occupy this very interesting space in fragrance because you're not, you know, like Jen and I are, are editors and, you know, I, I, I do, I, I feel you when you say like the relationships part, you know, it's, it's real. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get on the air and be like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And she's a, you know, like it's, I, I, I try to play it really neutral because it's, it's difficult. You know what I mean? It is a factor, but with you, you are in a very particular situation because you don't occupy, like you're not an editor. So you're not, you know, out carousing and, you know, meeting people and you're not beholden to a publication or, you know, a website. You're kind of like a free agent and you you are pulled back. You know, you live, you're not like, you're, I'm not going to like say your address, but like you're removed from the hubbub <laughs> of the of the beauty scene, so you don't have to um, kiss like, anybody's ass with people. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in so many words. But do you ever kind of feel like, oh, I was a little too too um, cold with that review, or do you ever get an email from? so-and-so at, you know, one of these big companies, like, sorry, like, you didn't like this one. Like, have you tried our flanker scent? You know, like, do you ever get any any response? You know, I'm actually quite happy to never hear about that, but somebody always tells me, you know who's talking crap about you. So we do find out eventually, but they don't tend to um, get in our face. Um, in terms of the, the big brand stuff, I don't feel bad uh, because... There's so much distributed responsibility with those things that when you trash one of those perfumes, generally the perfumer says, well, the art direction was crap. And the art director can say, well, the perfumer was crap. And then, you know, somebody can always say, well, it was the focus group. So they have lots of chances to to shuffle it off. But with the niche guys, the little guys, I felt actually rather of two minds about how harsh one should be. And often I felt, a sort of pang when when Luca cut into somebody and I would say, oh, come on, it can't be that bad. You know, let's just take it easy. And then I would spray the perfume and I would say, oh no, go ahead, because that stinks. So, I, I mean, do I regret cutting into them? Sometimes I, you just can't help it. You're just honest. If you have no reason not to be honest, just honest. And does your honesty ever change? Like, have you ever smelled something you're like, I hate it. And then like a couple days later, you were like, maybe I was too quick to judge. Does that ever happen? You know, that has never happened. What has happened is usually the the matter of essentially a one star in the reviews because we, we rank them from it's like one to five, right? So generally, mm-hmm. what happens to me is often I can be reluctant to say how much I love something. I'm reluctant to call a five star. I'm reluctant to say that's a masterpiece. I'm, I can be too conservative. And I have um, a couple of times wished that I had given something one more star mm. because the fact is I loved it and I just didn't, but I didn't want to jump out there and say greatest of all time. Whereas Luca is, is very, very easy with saying this is a masterpiece. And <laughs> I think, I don't think that he's, he's ever wanted to take that back, but I've often want, wished that I'd push something up. For instance, um, with Aqua Allegoria Pompelune, I think that should have been a five star. I think that was, I mean, because that whole range. And that's Guerlain. That's a Guerlain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not It's not intended, that range, to be grand perfumery. But that one stood out from the very beginning when they released that line. The grapefruit was 
unbelievable. And that was the perfumer Mathilde Laurent. And she has, I think she's now at Cartier. Cartier she's a genius. Yeah. And that should have been definitely a five-star. It was probably the greatest citrus fragrance in the book. Um, in the latest book, there was a fragrance called Seine Amoureuse by Jean-Michel Duriez, who used to be the perfumer at Patou and had his own niche brand, which is just now ended business, I think, but there are still bottles available. That was a beautiful perfume, but very subdued. So it's not a very um, in your face. It, it creeps up on you as time goes on and it has a very dreamy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. It, it, has, it has a dreamy kind of subterranean feeling. And I didn't um, think a lot of it when I first tried it. I thought it was good, but it didn't really jump out. And as time went on, I wore up the entire sample and I realized that that should have been a five star. So that's generally what happens. Right. Generally, it's a matter of bumping something up one or maybe knocking it down one if we realize we were a little too enthusiastic. Got it. So we mentioned you about a month ago on the show when Jen and I had a conversation about uh, the term oriental and fragrance as a fragrance category, as in the families of florals, aquatics, woody, and then, um, you know, there has been like just historically the, um, I'm putting in quotes, oriental capital O category. And you were kind enough to give us some quotes over email about your thoughts. But since we're so uh, lucky to have you here right now, I just wanted to get from your words, um, from from your mouth, what what are your thoughts on this topic? It is definitely gaining some, some more buzz even since we aired the episode. Well, I, I do think it's probably time for that word to go. Uh, there are I mean, two major reasons. The the first reason is the one that's on everybody's mind, which is that it can be seen as an offensive term. I mean, when I was growing up, you used, or I was told that people use Oriental for goods, you know, carpets and stuff, mm-hmm. but the term for the people would be Asian. And this is a fairly arbitrary uh, division. It's not very satisfactory, but words mean what usage over time makes them mean. They develop connotations. And the word oriental has unfortunately been in some fairly unpleasant contexts. Uh, I I distinctly remember finding unpleasant references to to mysterious, inscrutable orientals in in a lot of books I've read from the past. I remember reading um, G.K. Chesterton and being absolutely horrified at his depictions of Indians and East Asian people as these sort of greasy, sneaky orientals. So that usage is unpleasant and it's nice to shed the word and move on. But obviously a lot of people have no problem with the word. I mean, I remember reading that um, Chrissy Teigen had no problem with the word. Is it Teigen or Teigen? I never know. Um, and I mean, a, a lot of Asian people are just like, whatever. We, we use the word oriental market, you know, oriental mm-hmm. city. We, we say those things. Mm-hmm. But I think the main reason to drop the word is that it doesn't make any sense uh, it's not very specific. The, the the genre of oriental and fragrance has moved on so much from your sort of Shalimar type to include things that smell like incense, things that smell of woods, things of, that smell of vanilla. It, it's so large now that if you say fragrance yeah. is an oriental, no, nobody even knows what that means. You have you to go on and means, describe right. it. So it's lost specificity. The other problem is that it's Eurocentric. Obviously, it means East. And obviously, to a Japanese consumer... Shalimar is not an Eastern fragrance, it's a Western fragrance. The world is a sphere. (laughs) So we may as well be more specific 
and shed the Eurocentrism and address the global perfume industry. And when Got you it. say it's a Western fragrance for someone in Japan, is that because it has um, like vanilla and like a Middle Eastern quality? Like wh- where where would that scent, like what is the smell that you're talking about? It, it would be two reasons. It would be both the, um, the reference to a sort of South Asian thing, which mm-hmm. would be West of Japan, and the fact that it smells completely French. It's a French perfume. Okay. So yeah. it's a Western perfume. I mean, it Wait, doesn't... What makes it smell French? Just, I, I'm not oh. totally clear on what makes... Is it because it's that Baroqueness that, as you were saying, when you got it, that kind of like, romantic Baroqueness? I, I, yeah. I, I think there's nothing that smells more French than those classic Guerlain fragrances. Mm-hmm. They all have that, that smell of... Um, of uh, France is sort and, of herbe de Provence, these sort of uh, thyme, lavender, rosemary herbs. They have the, the jasmine from Grasse. They have, you know, a lot of rose. They have all these things that are very, very French, that particular balance. And that smells very different from the sort of more sort of straightforward kind of floral, fruity things, tea fragrances that you get in like Japanese incense. I, I don't know if they have a perfumery tradition. I'm not actually aware of an ancient Japanese perfumery tradition, but I know that room fragrance is a big thing in the East. And obviously you don't get this sort of vanilla. You don't get these things. It's not quite the same. Okay. So that makes me think of, you know, who do we think, you know, in 2020 run, 2021 right now, the fragrance industry, like a lot of industry, industries are doing like some self-reflection, you know, how do we sell our product? Who is buying it? Obviously, but there's a lot of focus on like Gen Z. There's a lot of focus on um, being a global, you know, market. When you think about the fragrance industry, where does it fit in? And you mentioned fragrance needs to not be so Eurocentric. I think that's important. Fragrance also needs to not just sell to you know, the people who've been buying it for the past three decades, they need to look at a younger customer. From your perspective, when you look at fragrance industry, who do you think it needs to be selling to or who do you think it's for? I mean, it's, it's a difficult question for me because the marketing of fragrance is totally not my interest. But I, in terms of... Right, but, but you're somebody who's passionate about it and you're somebody who you're not... I love that you're not a marketer and that you're somebody who I feel like is coming from a different perspective and you're thoughtful. So I'm curious, when you look at fragrance, you must be like, okay, like this is the industry, like this is what they're doing wrong and this is what they need to like right the ship. I mean, from my point of view, the problem is that they're they're working from sort of the bottom up. They're, they're trying to sort of look at the consumer and decide how to pander to them. Whereas... Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the greatest perfumes are those, and the greatest work of, works of art in general, are those that they don't give people what they want. They, they give people something that they didn't know they wanted. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, what you really need are perfumes that get attention not by constantly changing the advertisement, constantly hiring a new celebrity, but, but something that somebody's going to buy a second bottle of. And the model right now, I, I remember hearing somebody talk about the way they stock the department stores. Department stores are, are really dependent apparently now on novelty. So if your brand doesn't have a new product every few months, they will lose the space on the counter. Oh my gosh. So that's why you have um, Galan, for example, 
just to constantly keep picking on them, uh, bringing out a new bottle of um, La Petite Robe Noire every five seconds because it's the only way they can keep the attention of the consumer, apparently, who's constantly in the shop and just wants to know what's new. Obviously, if you're spending all that time trying to capture that attention and you're not spending... I mean, what you're saying, essentially, is that what it smells like is hardly what matters. I've often said, though, that people will buy a bottle because of marketing, but they won't buy a second bottle because of marketing. So what I would like to see is perfume companies working harder to make you buy that second bottle. Do you think that the second bottle is about, if we want customers to buy that second bottle, do you think it's about improving the juice or just not being so distracted by, we've got to get this celebrity in, what's the next, you know, skew that we're pushing? Or is it just about the juice? It's definitely about the juice because you're not going to buy the second bottle unless you wore up the first one. And you're not going to wear up the first one unless it smells great. What juices smell great to you right now, Tanya? Oh, right now? Yeah. Ah, gosh. I I have been on a sampling rampage, so <laughs> my head is full of a lot of stuff. I, I got a huge box of zoologist perfumes, and I've been having so much fun with them. But the one that, I mean, I'm such, I'm really such a fuddy-duddy. I mean, I really am <laughs> just a sort of middle-class girl who likes a pretty perfume. And... <laughs> Nightingale is is really right up my alley. It is this, it's a woody floral, which is my sweet spot. And it has, I mean, if 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 I think of nightingales, I think of there, I think there's an Oscar Wilde fairy tale about the Emperor's nightingale. It's this sort of mechanical jeweled nightingale um, that replaces a real live one. And it's sort of bittersweet as all his things are. And there's when I smell that one, I feel that. I feel this this bittersweet feeling. I mean, it's very much a sort of 90s thing with a sort of plum, rose, sort of jasmine, cedar. It's very much of a time, but I don't know. that It just hits my spot, so I'm, I'm very happy about that one. Um, I love Chanel's Le Lion, but it's very much a Chalimar. But for me, that's fine. Why I do don't you keep mind. putting these caveats like you're fuddy-duddy or, oh, I know. It's like, <laughs> like I can hear Luca in your ear being like, oh, you again with the like classic floral. Because that's what you like. It's, a, it's like, what you I know. love. You know, I very much love that stuff. I, I'm not very edgy, you know, when it comes to this stuff. I really, it's funny because we were just having this discussion this morning. We were sort of laughing because he really likes the out there stuff. Yeah. And when somebody just blows his mind with something weird, he goes, oh my God, can you believe they did this? And when I, <laughs> you know, I only feel that way when I open something and it just overwhelms me with prettiness. And I say, oh gosh. That's gorgeous. I mean, I think that's how a lot of people feel. They're, you I know, think so. Yeah. I, I, think I so. want to smell pretty. I don't need to smell edgy. I just want to smell beautiful. I mean, I don't mind smelling edgy if I can smell edgy and pretty. I'll take that. It goes back to your Ooh. art thing. It's like, yeah, that's a really cool painting in a museum, but I don't want it hanging in my home all day and have to look <laughs> at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like that, you know, that giant shark was it yes. Damien Hurst. In I, the formaldehyde. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's really interesting. I don't. I don't have any place for it. We don't want to see it. No, thank you. <laughs> it's not going to fit here. Sorry. That nightingale sounds lovely. So, zoologist, are there and there are other fragrances that you just keep going back to? Any any classics favorites? Oh well, in terms of what I'm actually wearing every day, I can. I, I have a small roster usually that I I switch out sometimes with the weather, but it's it's so limited. It's essentially what do I wear? I wear an old bottle of 
Yves Saint Laurent's Rive Gauche. Oh, that one got, was that four stars in here? Or four, four or five no, stars? No, we did not give it four. Wait, did hold on, hold four? on. Wait, back up, back up. I've got the book. Get out. We did not. That is no. my First old t- creative oh, director. She wore that. It's like, I cannot picture anybody but her when it's I so smell good. it. But hang on. Tom- I just want to so shout cool. out Tommy Girl. This is Lucas. But Tommy Girl got four stars. I had a post on that one. Four? I thought he gave that five. He loves Tommy too. Girl. No, five. It is five. Sorry. I'm like... This is like so. My, you like, still wear Reef like Gauche? Gosh, I classic. I have bought up so many old bottles because you know it's not quite the same now. I think there was some allergen that the EU banned that they had there to change. There always the, is. Uh, there always is. Formula, it's either yeah. that or they've decided to be really cheap and they take something out. I'm not sure. Okay, oh, I'm it's not a five. Saying. It's, oh wait, it's a five. Five star Reef Gauche. Why is Reef Gauche? Probably the best floral aldehyde, aldehydic of all time. That's the last. That's the first like few words. I don't know why. It's a very said, long entry. Why probably? Definitely. Luca. Oh, she's editing ah. her own book live on air. So That's other and Luca. so Yves Saint Laurent Reeve Gauche. What else is in this tiny Tanya roster? That tiny Tanya roster. Um, let me think what else is on the you know, I I have um it's no longer made, I think. The the Missoni fragrance from back then, which was done by Maurice Roussel, and was this wacky sort of chocolate fruit thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would normally not be my thing. I'm not a gourmand kind of girl, but damn, that one is good. I mean, it for me, it's the perfect beach perfume. It's so, it should not work at all. It's just sort mm-hmm. of like fresh kind of aquatic smell, like swimming pools and things. And then chocolate. Okay, that should not be together. And then this this completely garish kind of pink teenage fruity floral smell. And I don't know what possessed him to put these things together, but they smell so good. That guy's a yeah. genius. So I got that, and I'm almost out of it, and I'm I'm going to cry because you can't get it anymore. Um, so I've got got Missoni, I've got Rive Gauche, I've got Mitsuko, obviously, and Love Blue. I've got the two Guerlain perfumes. I've got Chanel's Cristal. Oh, okay. that's amazing. God, I love that. And um, and then there's a roster of stuff that just. I kind of shift in and out as time goes on. But those things are always on the shelf. Those are good ones. And they are very pretty. I will say, I'm starting to get your vibe then. I see what you mean. They're like, they they have a pretty sense to them. Like, you're not going to ever be like, whoa, what's that? Who's she? What is she wearing? And like, (laughs) I'm not trying to confuse anyone. I'm not trying to make big statements. No big art statements. Oh, I love it. I could hear about all of them some more. But I do want to, before we let you go... We do this thing with all of our guests at the end. We do a little speed round, if you're up for it, of questions just to get to know you better. Um, Are are you down? Can you handle it? (laughs) I mean, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so what is the first beauty product you remember falling in love with? Oh my God, I'm frozen. I don't even know. I mean, it could be a fragrance if it's like an early scent memory, but maybe it's a a makeup or something. Dude, I think it was a wet and wild lipstick in eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) What color? Like a dark one? I could see you in like a chocolatey brown 90s. Oh, no. It was so gross. It was like some sort of oh, like... frosty pink. Like iridescent <laughs> beige, I think. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So what is the quality you admire most in other people? Honesty. Okay. And if there was one rule you wish everybody would follow, what would it be? Oh, my God. You've frozen me up. I can't even think. Okay. I, I, because I, I, I mean, I have a thousand rules everybody should follow, but if you <laughs> want me to give just one, that's really hard. Just know yourself, I think. 
Okay. That's a good rule. Um, what is the song that's the most played song of yours right now? Most, so- most played song on your playlist? I think it's Prince's Little Red Corvette. Oh, good one. Very nice. And last question. If, you, if there was a movie to be made of your life, Tanya Sanchez, who would narrate the movie? My God, this is such a good question. I really have to think. I'm taking it quite seriously. I think it would be um, definitely Ian McKellen. Ooh. And why is that? Because I think I I need Gandalf grandeur. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Of course you do. And you deserve it. I love that. I'd love to hear him reading my perfume reviews. Oh, <laughs> do you have an audio version of that book? No, no, we, but if, let's approach if him. I did, or I, I mean, I'd take Patrick Stewart as well. I think Patrick Stewart could really... Maybe they could take turns. One will be Luca's reviews and one of them will be oh your reviews. Oh, I would love that. I would love um, that. He could be Patrick Stewart, definitely. And I would be Ian McKellen. Who wouldn't pay money for that? I want another, I, want, I know that you're busy, you've got a full life, but I really would love, even if it's like a mini version, even if it's just like half as, half as thick, as like the first book. We need another edition. There's just so many fragrances coming out. We need we need your words. Oh gosh, it's so tiring. It's so tiring. <laughs> Did you do an Instagram? Oh, no. just, or, Dumb it down to one Instagram. Just post. do an Instagram story, like once a you week. You see Luca oh, and Friday. Tanya on TikTok. Oh Lord. Oh my God. I actually suggested that, but there's no way. We're both too freaked out by the way we look on video. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have your daughter like take the take the flag and bring it to the future. I'm sure she will. She's ready. Yeah. She's giving her opinion all the time. This was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Tanya. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Highest Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp. 
something we learned about on a recent episode, and all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.